Hi, everybody. We're joined by Dr. Daniel DeBruel. He's a clinical psychologist and also a health behavior coordinator at the Houston VA Medical Center. He also works as an assistant professor at the Baylor Baylor College of Medicine and also uh, runs a private practice. So welcome, Daniel. Thank you. Glad to be here. Great. So happy to have you on the show today. We really want to zoom in on a lot of your work with health promotion that you do with the VA. Um, And kind of just first starting off, tell us a little bit about your journey, your path, and also what is health promotion? Sure. Sounds good. So it's been a circuitous path for me. I began graduate school with some interest in suicide from my undergraduate years working with Calhoun and Tedeschi, and at that time I worked with my major professor, Lillian Range, on mostly writing interventions. And some of my interests and passion for suicidology, to be quite honest, were somewhat dormant for a few years until reaching the Indiana University in South Bend, where I worked with John McIntosh and uh, over the years started to kind of carve out a niche for suicide research in that area of the country. And then uh, after that, I was really working in the academic field, uh, learned how to be a presenter and conduct certain workshops like assessing and managing suicide risk, which is a uh, program out of the SPRC here in Washington, D.C. But as luck would have it, uh, that that, uh, stint came to an end, and I found my uh, way down to the Houston VA. Uh, The the cold winters and all the snow had a little bit to do with that, and just kind of looking to get back to the area where I did my training and I really enjoyed, like, the New Orleans Gulf Coast area, and Houston's really been great. I've now been able to really rekindle some of my interest and passion for suicide, but now really looking at a facility level, not simply just doing research or having a uh, few students that I work with uh, in my lab, and really thinking about uh, some larger initiatives for the over 100,000 veterans that we serve in the Houston area. And so my role predominantly is as the Health Promotion Disease Prevention Manager, and what that entails is simply coordinating and arranging for a variety of interventions for uh, various health behaviors. We also train some of our physicians and nurses, and we work throughout the facility, even in our community clinics, building programs out there that all focus on health promotion and disease prevention. Excellent. And, you know, we'd really like to zoom in on that for today because uh, a lot of times when we think about uh, suicide, we don't necessarily talk about it in terms of health promotion. And I think it's really important to take that sort of uh, promotion angle. So, so again, what, it, what is health promotion or give us some examples of what health promoting behaviors look like? Sure, absolutely. So really, our program is mostly positioned to combat three of the main problematic health behaviors. And uh, these are tobacco use, inactivity, and poor diet. So in a lot of these cases, if you can have someone who might be uh, at risk to leave this earth 10 years prior uh, by helping them to quit smoking before age 40, we can give them 9 to 10 years of extra life. Of course, obesity is yet another rampant problem, not only in our country, but also in the VA in particular. The rates of obesity for veterans range from about 70% to 80%. So we have a, a program that is nationwide in the VA called the MOVE program, Uh, that seeks to help veterans to increase activity as well as understand their diets a little bit better. Uh, And in addition to that, we also have programs for various immunizations, for stress management, uh, for trying to maintain safety in different aspects of life, uh, as well as, you know, just uh, trying to be much more thorough and much more proactive for the veteran in accessing and, and focusing on their care. 
Great. That's really helpful, you know, thinking of it, like you said, as these health-promoting behaviors that can really prolong and allow people to live a higher quality, more successful, Mm -hmm. healthy life. Um, So tell us what that looks like in the VA system. So I understand there's these behavioral health coordinators Mm -hmm. and – or health behavior coordinators, rather. Um, Tell us a little bit about that and how they're embedded in the team's that, that was a really good catch because oftentimes people will confuse us. And if you think of behavioral health, you often think of maybe just another way to talk about mental health. And, you know, our program is a bit distinct, uh, whereas we're really on a given day or a given week, veterans can uh, take part in these programs when when they're, they're willing and when they're available. So a lot of our programs are open access. They're not mandatory uh, so the veteran can, for example, walk right into our tobacco cessation group any Wednesday or Thursday. They don't need an appointment. Uh, they don't have to ensure that their particular doctor or social worker or psychologist is there. We have a rotating uh, list of, of facilitators for our groups, so the veterans often will come in and uh, get a lot of psychoeducation. They'll often leave with materials like our tobacco cessation program. We have a 70-page manual uh, with all kinds of t- tips and techniques and helpful uh, education about nicotine replacement, for example. Uh, and then in other programs like MOVE, uh, we usually have them come in for 16 weeks straight, and we have a certain curriculum. I usually teach two of those 16-week courses. They're mostly managed by the dietitians that I work with. And the things that I tend to focus on map to the cognitive behavioral uh, triad to focus. uh, One of the sessions I lead is on mastering action, so I really focus on the behavioral component. And the other one is mind over matter, where we really uh, dig deep into cognition and how we can modulate that for weight management. Mm, Very interesting. And when we think of these as upstream suicide prevention strategies, how how do you see that? That's a great question. So I think... I was actually just having a conversation with uh, Dr. Tom Ellis, who has been in the Houston area for many years now and and done a lot of of great work at the Menninger Clinic. And he was mentioning that about a decade ago, he had authored a paper on how some of these health behaviors do lead to certain uh, areas of suicide risk. And uh, unfortunately, you know, some of that, that research hasn't quite made it to prime time yet. So I feel like my job is really to, to, to connect those dots. And one of the major ways that I see that is the VA has a new whole health initiative. So it can either be consistent with or maybe a little bit separate from the uh, health promotion field. So whole health uh, is looking to ask veterans to participate in their health care in a very comprehensive way and to make sure that a lot of providers are on board and invites them to consider alternative therapy means such as yoga, tai chi, acupuncture, massage. So these aren't quite as evidence-based as what we might offer in smoking, cessation, or weight management. But one major component of the new whole health initiative is to make sure that as many veterans as possible, and maybe in a few years, every single veteran coming through the system has an opportunity and and executes, in most cases, a personalized health plan. So this tells the clinician, not just that's working with them, but because our notes are be able to be seen by any provider, I could execute a personalized health plan where a veteran tells me what really matters to them, what gives them a sense of joy in life, and what they want their health for. And also we might focus on certain areas that they would like to prioritize. That information then goes to their doctor, their nurse, to any mental health uh, coordinator, and often I will take the time to even co-sign them to where they'll get an alert to, to review it. And the major way I see this playing out is to connect this with safety planning. Safety planning being a very tried and true and uh, 
probably one of our most frequently utilized interventions for, for suicide prevention. We definitely have found in, uh, in the VA system that that's an area where we can perhaps mobilize even closer content. In some cases, maybe the safety plan is, is completed, but yet there's not as much time spent really uh, digging deep into the veteran's unique qualities and really building that relationship, which as many of us in, in the psychotherapy realm know is one of our best predictors of outcome. So one way is to connect the personalized health planning with safety planning. Uh, the other ways are I think a bit more general and would be a little bit more difficult to connect specifically uh, in that there's a, a wide literature on medical illness and health problems that will either exacerbate or possibly trigger suicidal ideation and perhaps to some degree uh, suicidal behavior. Uh, a veteran, for example, that uh, has poor self-care and ends up having to deal with type 2 diabetes or COPD or some of these, you know, maybe not terminal illnesses but very complex illnesses uh, might then feel a sense of perceived burdensomeness, you know. So I think a lot of what we're doing in our uh, health promotion disease prevention program as well as with this new whole health initiative, simply give veterans many options to cope. And uh, one reason I think that it makes sense to then include this on the safety plan is the veteran already knows about maybe a few things they can do to cope. Maybe they can do a yoga class. Maybe they can, uh, you know, find acupuncture in their community. Maybe they can uh, work on their activity level, which, again, will boost serotonin and, you know, maybe have a protective value for them. Excellent. Yeah, that's really great to kind of see the the big picture about how health-promoting behaviors can increase the quality of life and therefore be protective against suicide risk. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So talk to us a little bit more about how the safety plan is augmented or enhanced through health coaching. Sure. So uh, this is a program that I'm really just starting to develop in the VA system. And luckily for me, uh, our executives and our uh, upper-level management have now gone to a program where any employee such as myself can submit a program uh, as part of like a shark tank uh, type of situation. Ah, so this okay. is really the idea that I'm hoping to to apply and then maybe it, it will be seen and, and enacted in, in other VAs. But in ours, the, the major way in which safety planning has come up in the work that we've done thus far, because the whole health, uh, and I should mention that the whole health initiative is really in its infancy. So we're just now really arranging introductory classes and our Tai Chi and yoga classes and that sort of thing. So maybe more, more to say that in, the, in the, the next year or two. But for right now, we find that even when veterans will come in and they're looking to get help for tobacco use or for, for an individual session for MOVE, there's been some really interesting findings where uh, veterans can come in and maybe it's due to an ongoing crisis. Maybe it's because myself or someone of my team, often my trainees, are very comfortable and thorough with asking about suicidality. And, of course, many of us clinicians try to, try to do that consistently every visit. Uh, or maybe, for example, the veteran mentions chronic pain and suicidality around that. But whatever the case might be, we have often done safety plans not planned uh, by us uh, as part of the session because it may be become clear that what this veteran might need long-term is smoking cessation or weight management, but today they just need to be safe and they need to have different mechanisms to go through. I, I must say, too, that one way in which I'm 
trying to champion this cause is to really invite other health behavior coordinators and HPDP program managers to follow suit. Many of them have expertise in just prevention generally, but not specific to suicide. So I think thus far, safety planning does come up for us in primary care, whereas maybe my other colleagues might not feel quite as, you know, competent or comfortable and would refer that to their primary care mental health team. I've certainly done that in, in, in a few cases, but largely when we've already built that relationship with a veteran and they're sitting in front of us, uh, I, because I have this expertise and this experience, I'm, I'm willing to just go ahead and, and do the safety plan as part of their health behavior uh, session. Excellent. And I just want to kind of zoom in on one health behavior for a minute um, that I think doesn't get enough attention. It's tobacco use. Mm-hmm. And um, first of all, what do we know? Does it have any relationship with suicide and suicide risk? Absolutely. I don't think the relationship has been clarified fully, but a few things that we know about tobacco use and suicide. One is that tobacco use will decrease serotonin levels and monoamine oxidase levels. So right off the top, that type of of substance will make it more difficult for people to really manage things like depression and anxiety. And we do find that when people uh, stop smoking, they typically have a lower incidence of, of relapse for depression, uh, some would argue there's, you know, pretty significant anxiety and stress in, in the week or two as they're quitting. But, you know, normally we would uh, connect them with nicotine replacement. Um, so what we do know is that people who do smoke tend to have higher rates of depression, higher rates of anxiety, and tend to have higher rates of stress. Uh, however, what we've found so far in the literature, there's not a preponderance of evidence that will show us that when people do stop smoking that that will then directly reduce their suicide risk. But uh, another important piece to this puzzle is that many veterans and and other members are given Chantix uh, when they're asking to stop smoking. And we find that this, that of course Chantix varenicline has a really high efficacy rate in certain studies between 30 to 40%, which is about as good as you can get for smoking cessation. But many providers are reluctant uh, to prescribe this, especially if someone has had any mental health history whatsoever. Some of the recent research is starting to really challenge that. We're not finding that Chantix tends to have this, you know, really considerable uh, risk of suicide. It's something to monitor. It's something to definitely, uh, uh, you know, think about carefully and to really educate the veteran or any other client about. But, you know, what we're seeing now is that it might be bupropion or Wellbutrin that's offered, and that's a, you know, traditional uh, antidepressant that many found kind of accidentally will will aid their uh, tobacco use. Uh, but what I'm also working on is trying to build more education around Chantix so that that can be more comfortably and confidently prescribed. You know, these are de- definitely not my decisions to make, but I, I do feel like trying to educate and, and invite our providers to review some of the recent r- literature uh, may enable them to then uh, prescribe Chantix and hopefully help the veteran not just with uh, you know, their tobacco use. And, and just anecdotally, some of the patients I've worked with, one in particular had a really profound history with suicidality um, and who's a survivor themselves, um, said that for one reason or another, for them particularly, Chantix actually kind of helped to, they, they, they seemed a bit more grounded. And, you know, I don't know if this is an idiosyncratic effect or whatnot, but uh, uh, not, not having the medical background. But, you know, I think, uh, I think those are a few things, you know, where our neurotransmitters are affected by smoking, uh, depression, anxiety are more common, and then uh, hopefully certain medications that are usually uh, open for people to use. Uh, some 
individuals with a history of depression or suicidality may find that uh, challenging in a conversation with the provider. But, you know, we're working on changing the, the conversation about that as well. Sure, some uh, promising avenues there. Mm -hmm. And um, I understand the Houston VA also has some sort of innovative approaches to helping veterans quit smoking. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about some of the programs that you all offer besides the uh, um, medication-assisted yeah, absolutely. So our, our, our VA is currently working on designing and, and uh, implementing some different stress management uh, uh, classes that will hopefully augment care there. Uh, we also have had, uh, based on feedback from our veterans, our classes are typically offered in the afternoon, and most VA employees are, are there between 8, 8 to 4.30. But so many veterans have actually asked for other methods that we now have uh, in our facility, I offer a occasional Saturday workshop for tobacco cessation. But on the national level, the VHA is really doing some cool stuff. We have the one eight five five quit vet hotline, which is a uh, free to use uh, tobacco quit line. It's managed through the same contract that uh, helps the National Cancer pr uh, Service. And uh, we even have a, an app called Stay Quit Coach. So veterans, especially some of these younger veterans, we find that the some some research shows that the uh, the incidence of smoking is much higher among our younger veterans who've who've served in Iraq and Afghanistan. So for many of them who may either not have very much contact with VA or may have really busy schedules, uh, the one eight five five Quit Vet Hotline as well as the Stay Quit Coach app uh, are, are good options. We also have a texting program called um, Smoke Free Vet. Uh, so this is an interactive texting program where a veteran can enroll and they'll get constant reminders about, hey, how's your, you know, your quit date's coming up in a week, try to go ahead and prepare. Or if the veteran has an urge, they can type in urge into the texting program and it will give them uh, prompts like, well, you know, uh, see if you can take a walk outside for a bit. And, you know, most cravings only last five minutes. Uh, you know, can you, you know, maybe try to call a friend for support and, and they can type in urge 10 times and get 10 different prompts. So it's we, we've got some more interactive uh, uh, interventions that we're using now. And in addition to that, in our program, we're also looking to build a telehealth option for veterans who are in remote areas uh, uh, in addition to that. That's fascinating. I'm, I'm really loving all the cool resources and, again, apps and different things that we can certainly link to and include uh, with the notes with this podcast so folks can check them out. I, I assume these apps are free. Absolutely. Everything, you know. The, and I want to make one big point that nationwide, the v, every single VA has a health promotion disease prevention program. They have a health behavior coordinator such as myself that you can, if you call the operator, ask for the health behavior coordinator, and we normally have all of the information on any kind of health promotion group that's going on. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. The, these programs are just continuing to, to, to grow, uh, you know, bigger over time. Excellent. Well, Daniel, I know there's a lot more to cover, but for today, you know, we want to just kind of close it out with any final thoughts you have for us. Uh, I, I just want to say a few things. One is that I really do invite people to, uh, especially those who are looking about at, at their careers. The VA has been uh, quite kind to me over the years, really giving me a lot of opportunity. And it's a system that, like any other, is imperfect, but one in which I think the 
the rewards are just immense. Uh, the VA were, was great with, with myself when uh, I lost my internship after Hurricane Katrina. Uh, I just really love being in Houston and having the access to so many of my colleagues and resources there in the largest medical center of the world. But I also want to give uh, uh, just a little bit of, of thanks to AAS, the, these conferences and, and the type of, of programs and uh, you know, just just the the minds that I, I come into contact with and spirits uh, has really been remarkable. So, and how can folks reach you if they want to uh, touch in or hear more about your work or or just get in touch with you about some of these resources? Sure, absolutely. Anyone who's in the VA system, just look me up uh, in Outlook, Daniel DeBrule. Um and I also have a personal email if anyone has questions about this podcast, uh, doctor.debrule at gmail.com. Excellent. Well, thanks for being here. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.